If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. My name is Chia Dogo and I'm the host of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast where I bring to you interesting and inspiring entrepreneurs from around the world to teach you and to inspire you to go and achieve your dreams. This is the first recorded interview of 2018, and I'm happy to have my first guest today, who is Kevin Bupp. Kevin is a successful real estate investor. He has over 16 years of experience in real estate and several other entrepreneurial businesses. So he's a serial entrepreneur. He's done marketing, he's done real estate, and he's done a bunch of other cool stuff. He's also a husband, a father, and a mentor to young people that are looking to go into the real estate space. He specializes in mobile park homes, but has actually invested in um, multifamily homes, which is apartment complexes and single family homes, which is your regular home, like a condo unit or a duplex or whatever. So I'm pleased to have Kevin on the show today to tell us a little bit about himself, his business, his background, his experiences. And of course, as it's the first show of the year, I want to talk to Kevin about strategy because since he's a successful serial entrepreneur, I want him to help teach us how to plan a year successfully from his point of view. So with that said, Kevin, welcome to the show. Gee, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm absolutely honored to be your first guest of 2018. <laughs> so I hope I can bring a ton of value to your listeners today. Oh, I'm sure you already do, Kevin. You already do. And I also forgot, he's also a noted podcaster. He has a very popular podcast on real estate, the Investing for Cashflow podcast, which we're going to link to at the end of the show notes, and we'll talk a little bit about later. But before we go any further, Kevin, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. How did you get started in business? Sure, sure, uh, absolutely. I am. Um, Chi, I, uh, I got started, I guess, in business uh, really back uh, in an early age. I didn't really know it was business at that point in time, and. Um, but, uh, you know, back in seventh and eighth grade and junior high, I used to go to the store and buy a five pack of, uh, of bubble gum and go to school. I'd buy for a dollar 19. I'd go and sell each pack for a buck a piece and, you know, essentially make, you know, just under a four dollar profit. And so I, at a young age, I had an entrepreneurial spirit and I didn't even know it. Um, you know, before I was 16 and old enough to drive, um, I got into electronics. I used to install uh, car stereos and amplifiers and, you know, really loud stereo systems in vehicles you know, when I was like 13 and 14 years old and made extra money that way. Had a paper route at a young age. And I was just I was very into making my own money and uh, kind of paving my own way and being able to buy the things that I wanted without having to ask my parents for money. So I always had some of a drive built into me at a young age. And and so uh, leading up through high school, I, I wasn't the greatest student, Chi. Uh, I, I just I wasn't very scholastic. I I didn't have an interest uh, so much in learning uh, from a traditional education standpoint. And so I just I didn't do well in school. That's the best way to put it. I didn't do well. And so when I graduated high school, I didn't have the, the biggest ambitions of going away to university or college because mm. um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, uh, and so without I, I didn't want to spend or waste my parents' money. And so I did not go away to school like a lot of my friends did. I, I just signed up for a local community college and figured I would figure things out. Uh, that's kind of, that was my strategy at that point in time. 
get a job. I was working as a bartender, having a lot of fun, uh, making a lot of money and going to school full time at a local community college. And I, I got really lucky. It's the best way I can put it because I can't yeah. tell you that I that I had a uh, a drive to become a real estate entrepreneur. I, I wasn't um, I wasn't I didn't know what I was searching for at that point in my life. But I, I met an individual named David. Uh, at the age of 19, and David was about 20 years older than I. And uh, uh, long story short, David became my mentor. He was a local real estate investor, um, a very successful business operator and owner. And um, I met David, befriended David, and uh, soon became his mentee. Uh, soon literally went underneath David's wing and uh, spent about a, a year to a year and a half learning everything and anything about real estate that I could um, because I saw it as something that I could grab a hold of, something that I could take and I could run with it, and something that could help me achieve, you know, these these grand visions I had of of, yeah. of, of living in a big home and having nice cars and things of that nature. Um, it, it would allow me to achieve those things, and so that's how I got my start in real estate. Really, I um I wasn't necessarily looking for it; it kind of found me. Yeah. And uh, when it found me, I saw the opportunity. I realized that there was an opportunity there, and I grab I, I grab I grabbed a hold of it, and uh, I learned from David, and uh, about a year and a half after me spending time with David, I went out and started doing my own thing. And, uh, that was, you know, essentially I was in my early, I was basically 20 years old when I bought my first investment property wow. and I'm, I'm 30, I'm 38 today, almost 39. So I've actually been doing this, uh, full time for over 18 years now. So actually my, my bio that you read in the beginning says 16 years. It's a little outdated. I need to update that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm almost on my 19th year now. <laughs> wow. That's very interesting. And I love how your story kind of follows um what i like to call the hero's journey which is kind of like if you watch a lot of movies or read a lot of storybooks you'll notice that there's a hero that you know he's trying to find his way in life trying to figure out what he's going to do then along his journey the mentor or the guide appears and that's the person that kind of helps focus him and helps teach him what he needs to know and helps show him the way that he needs to go to become the person that he's supposed to be. And you found that mentor in David, who I believe was um, your girlfriend at the time's mom's boyfriend. That's correct. correct? That's correct. Yep, absolutely. Um, So you've heard this story before. Yeah, David, (laughs) I I was, that was dating a girl and, um, uh, it's it's kind of funny how it happened is that I was at her her mom's home uh, in between classes one day and uh, David showed up and it was during the day and, and to me adults were supposed to work nine to five right yeah. I didn't really I, n- none of my family were business owners and so to me it was like you you, you get a job you work nine to five and mm-hmm. so he, he showed up during the middle of the day one day. And I was like, what the heck are you doing here, David? You know, like, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be at your job or at work or whatever? What are you hanging out here for? And, and I got to know him a little bit better and knew, you know, found that he, he was in real estate. And um, it was intriguing to me to know that he kind of made his own hours. That just, that yeah. didn't really, that didn't register with me at, at that point in time. But I thought it was pretty neat. And I was like, I, I, I could, I jive with that. I, I'd like <laughs> to make my own schedule one day too. I like that. <laughs> that that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I mean, that just shows you that, you know, you shouldn't actually follow the template or the plan that life um, puts in front of you that there are so many ways to to make a living to make your own story to make a success out of yourself as long as you find something or someone you resonate with and you're willing to put 100 percent effort into what you're doing then you're going to be successful mm-hmm. no i agree with you great so you did that you learned for a year and then you started buying your own properties now i know you dabbled all the way from single family home multi-family home and you're now in mobile home parks so tell us a little bit um about you know getting into these different asset classes within real estate what mm-hmm. what were your would i say your 
trails what were the benefits of getting into some of them what did you hate about some of them and then what were the main lessons you learned and why did you decide to focus on mobile home parks sure sure that's a great question so you know initially i just kind of modeled david's business right i mean i didn't want to reinvent the wheel and so david owned a lot of single family properties and he owned some smaller multifamily properties and uh, he was always a buy and hold investor he always taught me from day one that you want to build up a passive income stream. You, mm-hmm. you want to basically buy real estate so that that real estate can support you in the long run. And it can br- provide passive income to you and your family that you can live off of. Otherwise, if you're out there just uh, – he had some friends that were flipping uh, homes, you know, renovating and fl- flipping homes. Uh, he said, you know, he, he always would reference, you know, his he had two friends and I can't recall their names. But he would reference them and say, you know, if you act like – I'm just going to call them Jim and Bob. If you act like Jim and Bob and you run that type of business and that's all you do – Jim and Bob have have to start over January 1st each and every year. Yeah. And so like really they, they've got themselves a job, whereas uh, David had built a portfolio. Um, it wasn't massive by any means, but it definitely provided him a pretty cool lifestyle. And uh, his portfolio continued to pay him month in and month out. And if he didn't want to buy a property in January 1st or maybe want to take three months off, uh, you know, the first three months of the new year, he could. And he would still have the income coming in, whereas Jim and Bob would have to continue flipping homes. You know, if they mm-hmm. stepped out of their business, their business, you know, somewhat collapsed. And yeah. so um, that's what I did. I literally modeled what David did. I started buying single family homes cause that's what he knew. Um, and that's what he was willing to teach me or, you know, that's what he had the expertise in. And so, um, I did that for a number of years. I also, uh, dabbled in, in multifamily properties a little bit, um, for the first couple of years, but mm-hmm. then really transitioned into multifamily properties a few years down the road. And started buying some larger apartment complexes, realized that it was just a much more scalable business, realized that um, the the management aspect of managing uh, hundreds of single family homes uh, was a lot more labor intensive and a lot more yeah. logistically challenging than managing hundreds of apartment units that, yeah. you know, where you had 30 or 40 apartment doors underneath one roof or, yeah. you know, in a very confined area. And so, you know, I, 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 I slowly learned just uh, by you know mistakes and just being in the business, being in the trenches, that um, I was more attracted to uh, multifamily, that it was more scalable, that it allowed me to grow my business faster. And so it was a natural transition, honestly. It wasn't that I, I disliked single-family homes. I just saw that there was more opportunity for me to grow mm-hmm. a larger business more efficiently with multifamily than it was with single-family. So uh, that's what I did literally leading up till 2007, 2008, Arachi. I, I just bought single-family and multifamily properties. I had a few other miscellaneous types of real estate in there. I've owned some raw land. I've done some development projects. I've owned condos and just other random commercial real estate, but it was never a focus. My focus was always residential housing in the form of a single family home mm-hmm. or a multifamily property. And then um, how I got introduced into uh, mobile home parks is somewhat unique. Uh, you know, I I had a challenging time in, in 2008 with the recession, um, lost a lot of the fortune that I had built up uh, over those years, um, as did a lot of people that I knew that were, you know, in my immediate circle. And and it was a very challenging time for me. I, I, I essentially lost almost everything that I had built um, in a matter of uh, in a matter of like a year and a half. It literally all went away. And uh, and so for a few years, it was very challenging. I got involved in a few other businesses outside of real estate because I really didn't want to have anything to think about real estate. I, it was just a bad time for me. I, my credit was shot. I literally had no money. I lost my own personal residence to foreclosure. Wow. I just got married like when all this was happening, which was a really bad time to get married. And I uh, just had a lot of, lot of things on my plate. And the last thing I wanted to think about was 
was real estate. And so I, I, I was, I've always been into health and fitness and I started two businesses related to health and fitness during, um, you know, the two, two and a half years following the recession uh-huh. just to get my mind off of real estate. But then there's always this, this, this burning, nagging desire in my gut, uh, that said, you know, although you like these other businesses, like real estate's really, that's your core. And, um, yeah. and I knew that I was going to get back into it at some point. I just late 2010 was it just, I don't know what happened. I don't remember the day I really woke up and said, today is the day I'm going to, you know, literally put my foot back into the ring and, and start figuring out what went wrong and also how I could rebuild and, and, and get back into this, this, uh, this industry. And so, um, I started interviewing everyone I could that was currently a real estate investor. Yeah. Um, you know, that was local to me that either had made it through the downturn or maybe there's, so there's two different generations of investors. Now there's those that were actually an investor prior to the recession in 2008. Uh-huh. And those that are the new investors, the new generation <laughs> that got their start post uh, 2008 recession, right? And yeah. they're two different types because the, the new investors have no idea what it's like to go through a downturn. All they know yeah. is that bought properties at an all time record low and they've only gone up. Yeah. That's what I do as well when I got started because things kept going up, 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 and then they crashed in a very severe, man- very, very severe manner. But anyway, I interviewed everyone I could that either made it through the crash or that had just got started after the crash because what I wanted to find out, Chi, is I wanted to find out how the landscape had changed, more so in the multifamily space. I knew yeah. that I was rebuild my business with multifamily properties. I knew I could get there faster and it'd be more efficient. So I didn't have, I didn't want anything to do with single family. And so that wasn't my goal. And so I, uh-huh. what I wanted to find out is that in the lending spectrum, like how are banks now? How are they treating multifamily? Or, you know, is there an opportunity to get lending, to get financing out there, multifamily properties? You know, what, what markets are the good markets? What markets survive the downturn? What markets have a huge demand for rental properties, uh, you know, 2010, 2011 era? And so I basically went on like a year mission where I talked to as many people as I could that were in the space so that I could gear up to dive back in. And during that, during that um, uh, exploration uh, period of time, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Randy and Randy, uh, we had mutual friends and uh, my friends like, you need to go talk to Randy. He's actually, he's not in multifamily space, but he is in the manufactured housing space. And, uh, I was familiar with the space, although I had never spent any time. I never even considered it to be an asset class I would invest in. I wasn't opposed to it. I just never, never considered it. That's all. I had a lunch with Randy. Um, I didn't really expect anything to come out of the lunch, but I love meeting new people and I love networking. And so I figured, you know, let's go meet Randy. Let's uh-huh. go have a, a good lunch and, and, and see if there's any value I can bring him or see if there's anything I can learn from him. And um, I spent about two hours with Randy at lunch and he, he talked to me a lot about uh, mobile home parks and um, why it's such the greatest asset class in the world and mm-hmm. why he loves it. And Randy had been in the finance side of the business for 30 years, uh, lending to mobile home park operators and then retired. And uh, when I met him, he had been retired for a number of years and uh, has started buying mobile home parks in Florida mm-hmm. and uh, literally piqued my interest with so many different factors about this niche that I left that meeting basically committing myself to a year to focus on mobile home parks, not apartment buildings, on mobile home parks, and I wanted to prove the concept or disprove the concept. So I, I wanted to buy a park and determine whether or not it was a, a viable uh, asset and opportunity for me instead of apartment complexes. And so that's what happened. It took me a little over a year to buy my first park, and um, the rest is history, G. Uh, oh. we've, we've been buying mobile home parks ever since. Um, and uh, we love the asset class. Uh, I can't say that I, it's better than everything else, you know, to each his own. But um, 
for us. It's it's a great opportunity. There's it's very unique asset. There's lots of um you know lot lots of pros that come along with it when you compare it to apartment complexes and um. We like it. It makes really good. We make really good money at it. We enjoy the business. Uh, we enjoy the industry. And um, yeah, so here we are, 2018, and we are full-time uh, mobile home park operators. Uh, we own uh, communities throughout the eastern half of the United States, and I think we're in eight different states now, and uh, and we're growing and having fun doing it. <laughs> so now, um, one thing I want to clarify, because especially for people listening and they don't know what a mobile home park is, could you... Could you break it down? Is it like where they park those um, big RVs where people live? Uh, what exactly is a mobile home park? Yeah, so I mean, well, there's, you mentioned RVs. There's two different types of, of, of communities. There's RV communities and then okay. there's mobile home park communities. Now, okay. uh, RV communities are typically, you know, they would consist of travel trailers, which are like, you know, the, the ones that are pulled behind pickup trucks on the highway, you yep. know, where people go on vacation for a week or two or maybe like a, a, a big RV, like a big Winnebago. You know, yeah. you drive into a spot, you stay for a week and yeah. then you leave, you know. So that's an and most RV communities are more transient, meaning okay. that they're either seasonal crowd. Maybe they come for a couple months at a time. They leave, they but they take their home with them. Yeah. Or they come for a week, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it's temporary. Yeah. And uh, whereas a mobile home park, although mobile homes are mobile. Yeah. They're not easily transported. So okay. you can't just take your pickup truck and go hook it up to a mobile home and pull okay. it out. Uh, it, it, your pickup truck would fall apart. It would be too heavy. So yeah. uh, these things typically, mo- a mobile home, um, you know, the normal size mobile home, uh, they're single wides, which are on the smaller side. But, you know, it range anywhere from, you know, seven or 800 square feet in size to uh, wow. some very large triple wide uh, sectional homes that are, you know, 2,500 square feet in space. Uh, and so, I mean, some of them are very, very large. And once like it, once a good size set, apartment, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, okay. once they get set in place, um, they're tied down, they're anchored into the ground. Okay. Uh, and so they're not permanent, but they, they take a lot of time and effort to move. And mm. so typically when they end up in a community like one of ours, they, they re- very rarely ever leave. Okay, okay. okay. And what are the rents for... For something like that, because I'm thinking, okay, now that you've clarified between what an RV mobile community is versus a mobile home park, it it seems to me like you're getting the same size for like a one bedroom apartment, which um I lived last one I lived in in New Jersey was 600 square feet, mm-hmm. and that cost about a thousand dollars. So what are, what are we talking about when you're looking at a mobile home um unit that has sure. 800 square feet? Well, I, I will tell you that you that you that that to to rent a mobile home park uh, lot in 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 Tampa, Florida, where I'm based out of, mm-hmm. um, is going to be much cheaper than renting a mobile home lot in Los Angeles, right? Okay. And so, the, yeah. Los Angeles is a much more expensive market to be in. But generally speaking, I'll tell you, I, I'll kind of give you the the, the average uh, amongst our communities. So we're in eight different states, and so we're in a lot of different types of markets. And our average lot rent. And so when I say lot rent, I mean the actual the dirt or the lot that the mobile home sits on because okay. most of the most of the residents they own their own home so okay. they own the home and they rent the lot from us okay. and so, so they the rent the land dirt, underneath yes okay. yes yes the land underneath that they okay. rent um and the average rent at least in our communities based on where we're located mm-hmm. is somewhere in like the 270 280 month range oh wow some of them are much higher some are lower yeah. you know but Two eighty, three hundred dollars. I'd say that's probably the norm, and that that would be even the norm probably across the country if you averaged out all the communities throughout the U.S. Okay. Um, and so, typically, uh, like the average market that we're in, 
Um, the mobile home lot rent is normally about half of what you'd expect to pay for a really small studio apartment. Okay. okay? And so uh, in any market where we might have a park that's, you know, three fifty a month lot rent, you'd expect to probably pay about $700 a month for, you know, the average studio apartment. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great form of affordable housing because mm-hmm. it allows a a family, a, fa- a family, a family of five can live in a home, a three bedroom, two bath or four bedroom, two bath home. That's, you know, five times the size of that studio apartment for half the price. Mm. So, um, and it's, uh, and it's typically doesn't have to be half the quality. I mean, our home, our, our communities are very nice. They're very community or uh, community oriented, uh, lots of residents that have lived there for 20 plus years. So it's just like a neighborhood. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're run correctly, it's just like a neighborhood that, that, you know, in the suburbs where you've got neighbors that have lived there for a long time, you've mm-hmm. got old ladies on the street that have, you know, the old, old Margie bakes cakes for the, yeah. for the community. Same thing happens in a lot of mobile home parks. And so, um, it's a great thing. It's, it allows us to offer affordable housing in markets that are becoming less affordable. And mm-hmm. so fam- good, hardworking families can, and truly live the American dream and own their own home and and do it at an affordable rate. That's true. That's good. So now, um, Kevin, a lot of people listening to this show are early stage entrepreneurs, early stage um, career people that are thinking, okay, you know, I'm trying to find something to do that's entrepreneurial. I don't know what I want to do yet, but I'm still researching and trying to figure it out. And then you're specialized in mobile home parks now. Would this be an asset class that's a good investment for somebody that a, doesn't have enough money to buy, let's say, their first condo or their first home, but looking at mobile home parks, looking at the cash flows and the returns, this might be a good way to get their feet wet in the um, real estate investing market. So how would you um, teach someone that's considering this asset class what to look for when they are considering investing or starting out in your space? Yeah, I mean, that's with anything, Chi, uh, wh- whatever you're going to invest in, whether it's stocks and bonds or whether it's real estate or cryptocurrency, you know, whatever it is, I mean, you got to educate yourself, right? Yeah. So whether you're going to go buy your first single family home or maybe you're thinking a little bit on a bigger scale, you want to buy an apartment complex or a mobile home park like we're talking about, you've got to educate yourself. And um, there's nothing wrong with considering a mobile home park as your very first investment, even if you've never bought a home before. Um, I, I know many people that uh, have never bought another, uh, they have, they've, they didn't start in other types of investment properties. Mm-hmm. Mobile home parks was their first real estate investment. Um, but it's all about educating yourself, you know, reading books, uh, you know, listening, like we, we actually have two podcasts. I've got my real estate investing for cash flow podcast, but I also have another podcast, which, uh, it's strictly focuses on mobile home park investing. We've got like 85 episodes, you know, so, um, go listen to shows like that. There's a few other ones out there as well on this mm-hmm. topic, but educate yourself, you know, mm-hmm. get to, get to learn the, the, you know, the unique nuances that exist in this asset class and, uh, mm-hmm. learn everything you can about it. Start looking at opportunities, you know, it's talk to other operators like myself, you know, go out there and, and you know, go to industry events and associations and, and meet others that are in the space already. And, and get their perspective and uh, just dive in deep. Um, and, you know, I guess the first thing you have to do though is determine after you start diving in, is this the right fit for you? Because I really think that 
and I, I think and I, I believe that you can make money in any different type of real estate. I mean, there's yeah. a million and one different ways to make money in real estate. You got to pick the one that that is the best fit for you. Yeah. Um, and and I, I tell you that we make great money in mobile home parks, but it doesn't matter. I, I've known plenty of friends that make great money in self storage, uh, that make great money in single family homes, that uh-huh. make great money in uh, other types of real estate that have no interest in mobile home parks because it's not yeah. a good fit for them. So. Yeah. Great, great answer. I love that. So now, Kevin, as we start to wind down the show, I want to transition to um, the bigger picture. So it's the start of a new year. Um, you're a successful serial investor and serial entrepreneur with over 18 years of experience. How do you look at a year and how do you plan out your year from a business perspective and also from a personal perspective in terms of what you want to achieve for the year? Yeah, you know, and it changes every year. Obviously, as we grow, we learn, yeah. and um, we, I always try to reflect back and and um, you know, look at the past year. What I, what did I like? What did I dislike? What do I want to change in the future? But I can tell you that a, a simple answer, at least from like a business side of things, is what I've learned that works really well for me and um, in the business that I'm involved in. And you know, I've got other partners as well, and so it's not just me alone here running the ship. Yeah. But what's work what works really well for us as far as our business, mobile home parks, is we really start looking uh, about halfway through the previous year, we look forward to 2018. We start because you can start forecasting what the remainder of 2017 is gonna look like. You know, when you're when you come June, come July, you can really if if you're if you're if, if you're in charge of your numbers and you're running your business like a well-oiled machine, you should have a very clear picture of what the remainder of the year is going to look like, how it's going to turn out, mm-hmm. right? And so with us, we really start looking to 2018 at the middle of 2017. And I think that's very helpful because um, you're not you're not working in an, a reactive state. You're being very proactive about you know goals that you want to achieve that you feel like you might not reach by 2000 end of 2017, mm-hmm. and that you want to put on the map for 2018. So we just we plan ahead. I guess the best answer for that is we plan way ahead for the coming year. Mm-hmm. And as we get closer to the end of the year, 2017, we take a lot of time. We take you know a week or two where we just literally focus on our business, focus on um, how things turned out, how they wrapped up, and uh, and then also take a look at what we've been focused on for 2008 for the for the coming year 2018 and uh, and we put a lot of emphasis on truly mapping it out i mean we'll sit down and actually create a mind map of uh of our goals and the uh, achievements that we want to hit for 2018 for that coming year and um so it's just i think it's really just being conscious of um of, of where you're at where you want to be uh-huh. and make sure that you actually have a clear roadmap uh planned out on how you're going to get there i mean oh, yeah. Everyone can have affirmations. Everyone can have a vision board and have, you know, you know, whether it's a, a million dollar bill on their wall or whatever mm-hmm. your vision has on it or, you know, whatever your goal chart has on it. But unless you've got a, like a clear roadmap on how to get there and you actually take the time to sit down and and uh, and map it out, then it doesn't really mean much. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and so I think that's the important part for us on the business side. On a personal side. Honestly, I, I wish I had a really great answer for you. I mean, I can tell you that uh, from, from a personal perspective. um you know, health and fitness is very important to me. Family is incredibly important to me. I've got two young boys. I've got a, a beautiful wife that I, I, I care about dearly, and I love spending time with my family. And so um, I, I tell you that 
I don't really necessarily plan for the coming year of, of, of what I'm going to do on a personal level, how I'm going to improve myself, because I really do it on a weekly basis. Yeah. I mean, I plan my weeks out on Sundays. Typically, I take like an hour or two in the evening, and I really plan my weeks out, both my work week and my personal week. You know, I make sure that I, I, I set aside plenty of time. Um, I mean, I, I literally put it on a calendar of like um, – Stopping at home, having lunch with my wife. My wife actually works from home as well. And uh, just, you know, time with the children. I make sure that my work trips don't interrupt time with my children, quality vacations or getaways with my kids and things Mm -hmm. like that. So that's a weekly effort on my part. It's not a it's not a hey, let's plan for the year. It's an ongoing, (laughs) ongoing effort. (laughs) Yeah, because your wife or your kids are not um, static, you know, they're not going to be, no, things are going to well, come they're, up they're, and you have to. And they're honestly my number one. They really exactly. are. I mean, I'm, um, I, I've, I've got a lot of friends that are um, much older than I, and probably the biggest regret, and this is before I even have kids. Uh, my, my oldest is four years, four year old, four years old, and my youngest is a year old. And before I even had kids, you know, a lot of the, the regrets that I always would hear from successful business owners is, uh, that if they could go back in time, they would have spent more time with their children. They would have wow. made more memories, you know. And I, that, that was like that, that hurt even before I had kids. And I don't know if you have kids, Chi, but no, um, once once you do, it's uh, I, to me, it's a very special time. I love it. I love yeah. spending every moment with them. And so my life revolves around my family, and I just I, I make sure that um, that that is my number one focus. Business is second, and so my business has to drive. Um, you know, my lifestyle so that I have the time to spend with my family and uh, nice. planning for family is a, is a weekly endeavor for me. And I make sure that I've got plenty of time to do that. Nice. I love, I love that answer. That's a very comprehensive answer. And it's something we can all learn, you know, that yes, people, you might, you know, do what everybody does at the beginning of the year, which is, you know, fill out your vision board and plan out your year. But it also takes these little weekly steps. There are 52 weeks in a year. Every week you work on what you're doing and if things are not going according to plan, you can always course correct. You know, if if your kids have something important, you can always change your schedule for your business to make sure you're there for your kids and your wife when they need you to be there because you don't want to miss out on some important milestones just because um you had a deal coming or closing or something like that. And of course families right. always first so because there'll always be other deals, but the time, Absolutely. You lose, the time you lose with family, you can never get it back. Yep, you got that right. <laughs> got that right. Yeah, so um, I guess I have two last questions for you before I let sure. you go, Kevin. And my first, well, I guess the second to the last question will be, um, looking back on your journey thus far, is there anything you would have considered doing differently, knowing what you know now? Yeah, Um. I'd say from like a business perspective and I, you, if you talk to real estate investors, you probably all, all, they all say very similar things as they've gone down the years in their journey. But you know, if I had known what I know today, as far as in, investing is concerned, uh, at least the type of asset I'm investing in, I would have started buying mobile home parks <laughs> 18 years ago, you know, so or I, I would have bought apartments sooner, uh, and I wouldn't have spent much time, much time in the single family home space, you know, so from biz, business perspective, I would have probably not necessarily run harder because I, I worked. I mean, I worked really long hours and I busted uh, my butt when I was younger um, when I got into the real estate space. But I would have, I would have probably spent more time getting to know uh, real estate investors that uh, were a couple steps above uh, even my mentor. You know that that owned. Yeah you know, uh, larger complexes that own larger portfolios. Um, and I didn't, you know, and I think it was more of staying inside my comfort zone. Um, just, yeah. you know, staying close to the other investors that were you know, 
working in similar size markets that I was and mm. similar types of investments, um, it, it's intimidating. You know, it's intimidating yeah. getting out there and meeting the um, the heavyweights uh, yeah. in whatever industry that you're in. But I would have probably put more focus and emphasis on actually getting in front of those heavyweights and getting to know them and, and understanding how they got to where they are. So um, that's probably what I would have done differently. But uh, fr from a personal side thing, you know, Chi, I'd say that I'm really happy with my life today. Yeah. And I'll say if I if I went back and changed anything, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. So I don't think I would change anything nice. <laughs> from a personal perspective. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, right. And yeah. any any minor uh, detour throughout our life just by like a millisecond, you know, completely changes the end destination where we're at today. And yeah. so. I, I'm going to say that I wouldn't have changed. I wouldn't change anything, um, you know, with with my personal side of my life. And I like that first uh, the first part of the answer, which was basically trying to go even above your mentor to figure out, you know, what are the guys that he's looking up to doing, so that you can at least have a longer range goal. That that's that's quite interesting because not a lot of people think that way. You know, they see one person who's higher than them, and you know, although you're small and you're tiny and you want to grow. You don't see yourself getting to like 1,000, you know, whereas your mentor is at maybe 500 and he's looking at 1,000 and you're just at zero looking, oh man, if I only get to 500, I'll, I'll be made, right. you know, because that gives you a wider perspective and you can open up your mind to see the possibilities of what can happen in the future if you're willing to apply yourself. So I, re I really love that first part of the answer. That was, that was very great. And that's one thing everyone should hold on to because there's there's always somebody bigger than the biggest guy you know. You know, absolutely so you, <laughs> yep so you, so, you, so you need to always expand your mind and you know it's never too late now that you know that you can always work on it and improve you know it's never too late to course correct at any part of your journey so my yep. last question for you is this you had a mentor who helped guide you in, in terms of david so what about you how do you give back and how do you mentor um people coming up in your industry or in your space yeah, well, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, we're putting this earth to to help one another. So I'm a big believer in, in, in helping others, you know, achieve their goals or, you know, get to where they want to be. And whether it's personal life or business, whatever it might be, wherever I can add value to someone else, I always try to, to do so. And, you know, one of those ways is the podcast. You know, yeah. one of the unique things that I've been doing with my podcast since I launched it, you know, it's been over four years now, um, is I set aside and in the very beginning for the first couple of years, I set aside four 30 minute slots each every Friday, every week, mm -hmm. um, to where I literally don't charge. I let any of my guests uh, set an appointment with me to jump on the phone for 30 minutes to talk about anything related to their their real estate journey, um, whether they're brand new, have never bought a property, or maybe they own a lot of property, looking to make you know switch gears, or just get a, a third party perspective on what it is they're doing. Mm. Um, and so I do that each and every week. And I, now, I, now I my time's a little more limited, and yeah. uh, now I take I take two thirty minute calls every Friday, but um, I, I literally do that each and every week. There might be a week I'm on vacation or something like that where I don't do it, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I get on the phone with others that I don't know, complete strangers, just hoping that I can help change someone's life or maybe point yeah. them in the right direction. Um, you know, so that's one way that I, I give back. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of local real estate organizations and I try to give back in that manner. I'm, uh, I'm a big brother in the, uh, the big brother, big sister program. So I mentor a, he's 15 today, but I've been mentoring him for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's a couple of different ways, but, um, I'm sure there's many more that I'm not thinking of. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. No, that, that's completely <laughs> I, fine. I basically I, try to point, add value. Yeah. I wake the up point comes across. Can I, how can I add value to somebody else, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. that's really, that's the end goal. How can yeah. I help someone else 
uh, get closer to their goals and their dreams. Yeah, because I mean, you can give money, you can give things, but the most important gift you have to give is actually your time. The time you spend investing in somebody else's life makes a big difference. So um, I'm ha- I'm happy that you're participating in all these avenues of mentorship and um, reinvesting in the lives of other people coming up. That's really great. So yeah, well, that's, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for David. Yeah. You know, God bless David came into my life and, and I wasn't even looking for David, but yeah. someone knew I, someone knew I needed him, you know, and uh, yeah. David came to my life at the right time. And I'm forever grateful. I honestly, gee, I don't know what I'd be doing in life. I don't know where I'd be at if it wasn't for David. And so I never, ever forget his involvement in my life and um, how he really put me on the the right trajectory, uh, you know, in, in, in business and in personal life as well. I mean, he just he, he was he came at the right point in time. And um, and I'm just forever grateful. And I really I want to give that gift back to as many people as possible. Great. Great. So we've reached the end of the interview day. I mean, I said, David, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but before I let you go, where can people find you, get to know about you, listen to your podcast, and of course, reach out to you if they want to contact you about real estate, a mobile park home investing and much more. Sure, sure. There's a couple of ways you can get in touch with me. Uh, my main website, which is kevinbupp.com. Um, you can go in there. You can learn about me uh, more as an individual. You can actually listen to my Real Estate Investing for Cashflow podcast uh, directly on that website. And then, um, like I had mentioned, Chi, we also have a, a podcast on mobile home park investing. And they can go to mobilehomeparkacademy.com. And uh, on that website, there is all of our, you know, I think we've got 85 or 86 episodes up um, of that weekly podcast. Um, and then just my personal email, if anyone wants to reach out to me, it's Kevin at KevinBupp.com. So uh, any of those three ways, uh, they shouldn't have a hard time tracking me down. Great. And I'll link to all that in the show notes. Kevin, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the past 45 minutes or so. I've learned a ton from you, from your business, and of course, how you approach life and how you uh, structure your personal lives to give back to the community and to spend more time with friends and family. Wish you continued success in 2018 and I hope that you kill it this year. Thank you, Chi. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show and I hope I brought a good bit of value to your listeners. So you have a great 2018 as well, my friend. Yes, you did. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.